I came from a industry of the fitness industry as a NASM certified trainer and nutritionist. And even before that, I was uh, in the medical field. <laughs> I changed directions completely. I was only one of the only trainer that they brought from San Antonio, Austin area to help start building uh, a fitness company up here in Houston. So a company called Fitness Connection. And uh, that's how you started in entrepreneurship. Was that your first venture? It was a job, right? As far as I understand. Uh, yeah, it was a job. I I was I I I was working very long hours at the time. And I just wasn't happy being in that field. So I decided to, I, I looked at a lot of things in my life and I, I um, had an ex-girlfriend of mine at the time. Her, her grandmother was a real estate broker in San Antonio, but always was fascinated with it, with the idea of being in real estate. And then my grandparents were real estate brokers down in South Texas. So I made a decision being in probably one of the 10th largest cities in the nation to get my real estate license. And I jumped in both feet and, and that's how I got into real estate in 2003. And how did it work out in the initial years? Like, where did you get your customers from, like clients from, and how did it work out? When when did you land your first client? I actually, my first year in real estate, I sold 15 houses. I got really lucky. I happened to be on floor time. And the floor time is when you sit at a real estate office and you just kind of answer the phones of people calling in, asking for property or being able to go see property. And I had a gentleman by the name of Monty Montgomery. He actually called me and I answered the phone and I was just really tenacious and I didn't really know what I didn't know, but I didn't, I didn't let that stop me. And he asked me, do you know about real estate? Uh, do, you, do you know about HUD homes, which HUD homes are foreclosures? And I said, yeah, <laughs> it's like it's four walls and a, and a roof. I know what I, I know what that is. And so we had a good conversation getting off the phone. You know, I got I, I turned to the lady next to me and I go, go, what is a HUD home? <laughs> and then I asked, and then he asked me for something called what do you have access to a HUD key? And I turned around and I think I asked about five people in the office, where do I get this thing called a HUD key? So that's how it started. <laughs> And after about the third home that we sold, Monty comes up to me and he goes, I got to ask you a real quick question. And I was like, okay, great. What is it? He goes, you didn't really know anything about HUD homes at all. And I go, well, to be honest with you, Monty, probably not. But we were able to you know, get to the closing table. Is there a problem? And he goes, no. The only reason why I stay, I knew after the first or second one, when you kept on saying, that's a great question. I'll get back to you. He goes, I used to be a broker in the, over in California. And he heard that line all the time because that's the way they taught it. <laughs> that he, but within five, 10 minutes, you came back with the answer and, and you were very upbeat. You really knew what you were doing or you seemed to know what you were doing and you did it. 
quickly because that's why I stayed with you. And we closed 15 homes that year. And that was allowed me to get to become the, uh, you know, the office rookie, one of the office rookie of the years over yeah. in my office. So that's kind of how that happened. Wonderful. <laughs> and a uh, great question. I'll get back to you in a moment. <laughs> so that works out pretty well. <laughs> the next question, by the way, if you can tell us about the personality trait, what do you think one need to succeed in real estate or any endeavor? With the right personality trait in this industry is it's it's consistently evolving. And when when things change and things are so unpredictable, I always find it's essential to have a strong sense of resilience like I did at the beginning of my career. Mm-hmm. Uh, the ability to bounce, uh, bounce back from setbacks because I have I've had setbacks in my life. I've had rejection. You have to build a level of, of, of resistance or, or a tough skin. Because you are going to be told and no on a lot of things. And there's people that are not going to like you. It's not because they don't like you. It's just because you're just not a good fit and you can't be upset with that. You have to learn to evolve and understand that everything is fluid. Things happen for reasons. You're, you're told yes. That means that's a reason. you got to learn from it. You're told no. you you, you got to learn what you did wrong or or maybe even having the, the ability to be humble and ask that question. That's one thing I've had to learn over years. I've been arrogant before and, and it didn't work. I've actually gone through a bankruptcy in real estate when the market crashed you mm-hmm. know, in back in 2006 and seven. So I had half a million dollars that I was responsible for and, and, and with the advice of my attorney and my family to turn around and tell me a file bankruptcy, you know, and I learned a half a million dollar mistake with that at 25 years old, 26 years old. That's a, that's a lesson. I don't care what anybody tells you. That's, that's going to university and giving, getting a full, full college scholarship with that amount of money. Mm-hmm. So I can, I come from a school of hard knocks I come through of educated background. And, you know, that's that. So having resilience, being able to overcome objections, objections, we are taught at a young age. And I had to learn this too. When you're a little kid, you, they, somebody tells you, no, it's like the worst thing to hear in the, in the world. I have two children. I told my kid, no, she cries. Oh my God. She has to no. But, you know, also, but when you become an adult and you become an entrepreneur, a business person, you have to understand that you have to be resilient. When people say no to you, that mm-hmm. just means they haven't gotten to yes yet. That's that's opening the lines. That's a positive thing in negotiation. That is that is a perfect answer. Just keep on negotiations going mm-hmm. to get a scenario out there. So just because somebody says no at that time, they, there's so many factors that play into that. So you can't let no run your life and be depressed by it. You know, I even had to learn that, you know, think about it. If you're dating and stuff and somebody says, no, there's got to be somebody that's going to say yes. So, and that's, that's, or, or, or you ask enough times in a certain amount of way with a a certain amount of, you know, situation, you're going to get a yes. You know, so don't put a lot of pressure on yourself. You're going to have to also understand how to de-stress, de-pressure yourself. Don't treat yourself like you're a victim. You're, you're like like you have problems, or you're the you're the worst thing in the world. That's the you know having a mental attitude in this business is strong, and then that's in any business and being an entrepreneur. So that's a, that's one of my most important you know traits that somebody could have. You know, resilient, knowing how to. Yeah. Importance of dealing with clients, knowing how to have a proper bedside and professional manner, knowing when to be a certain way, like understanding different personality types is a really big thing for me as well. Learning how to negotiate. There are tons of agents that, in my opinion, should 
have gone through some formal way of negotiating. Mm-hmm. They can't, I mean, it's it's amazing because there is a tact and a skill and an art form to negotiating. And I tell my agents all the time, if there's one thing that you can get right outside of real estate that's going to benefit you anywhere is the ability to negotiate or to learn how to negotiate. Negotiations should be win-win. It should not be an overpowering game, especially in real estate, because how many times have you ever been put in a situation where you feel like you're losing? The first thing you do when you feel like you're losing something, you become standoffish. You become, you don't want to do anything. You feel, you feel, you feel like this is not a good thing. So knowing how to create win-win transactions where everybody does, Chris Voss is a great book. You know, uh, knowing what to say in real estate, he has a great outlook on it with the Black Swan Group. I listen to those guys all the time. He has some very phenomenal that anyone can use, but real estate agents can really use it. I, that's a book I would 100% recommend. What to say and how to say it for real estate agents by Chris Voss. For sharing all this, anything else you would want to share on this topic? No, I mean, those are the big one skills. Everything else can be learned in real estate. You also need to learn that not everybody has all the answers. Mm. Not one person has the answers. Answers come with experience and education. And there, there is a lot that, that I have right there. When when you know that it's not all coming from you, you learn from other people. And that's been the motto of my life. You asked, I think, in, in one of the questions is, what is a quote that I like? Yeah, it is. And, um, you know, I was like, what quote? And, I, you know, I always like this one, you know, if I, it's from Sir Isaac Newton. Mm-hmm. And it says, if I've seen further by standing on the shoulders of giants and okay. real estate and business, you don't go in there with a, I'm going to reinvent the wheel kind of mentality. Mm-hmm. You go in there, you learn the industry, you put your dues in. And then when you get your business running efficiently, effectively, then you can make modification and you can test things. And you just don't start building a car from scratch when you've never built a car before. You have to build one once. So that's the way I look at building a business. It's like building a performance car like Ferrari and, mm-hmm. you know, even when Ford and Ferrari used to go head to head with with fighting each other, even Ford had to build a Model T. It wasn't yeah. a Ferrari. You've got people that you know Lamborghini had they they built tractors, but they had to know how to build something to be in order to improve upon it. So you can start off with a tractor and you can end up with a Ferrari at the end of the day. Yes. So. The only way I can look further is by standing on the shoulder of the giants. And uh, next question: Can you tell us how did you manage to grow your business so far? What were the strategies? What were the tactics? If there any? Yeah, I mean, I use my approach. I use a couple of different types of approaches. And when I decide to redesign my brokerage this last year, because me and my partner we went different ways, we had different. We brought we built a successful brokerage that grew consistently. We built it up to doing about $40, $50 million a year. Over my lifetime, I've probably sold $150 million worth of real estate. You know, that's that's not by chance, but I could say the beginning was sure tenacity mm-hmm. and it evolved into becoming into working on myself as a business person. I was a great agent when I started and I had a very arrogant way of looking at things because I made I did really well my first several years in real estate. But then I really learned something from the humbling experience of going through the foreclosure because I didn't, I was not prepared to see a market shift the way it did in the United States. And one of the things that really was an eye opener for me that humbled me completely was knowing I didn't know everything. That was the first opening eye. My my wife has stayed with me through all of it. 
you know, she stood with me and I got to give her accolades to that because I was like, dude, there's a door. I'm losing everything. You know, she stayed with me. That Honestly, that's why I love her so much is because she stayed with me as long as she did. Without that support, you know, their life, I'm not going to say life is easy. It was yeah. tough coming back up. But, you know, I love real estate, but I have a very, I implement a collaborative mindset when I do this. Cause I like, I've also learned, like I said, that, that Isaac Newton mm-hmm. statement really is a culmination of my life. I learned from everyone. I learned from other agents, other brokers. I learned from my, my agents. I learned from my kids. I become smarter as an adult just by watching my kids and their behaviors and the way they, they respond to things. So I like a collaborative approach, but I also have to have as a business owner, accountability is in coaching because that's what people seek out from a broker. In my opinion, every agent that I've called, I've ever brought in to the company or talked to, they're looking for some direction. They want to learn from the experiences that I've had. And I have had a lot of experiences and that's, what's gotten me as far as I have gone. And then my willingness to also be supportive and with with the way that they want to do it so i use a supportive system you know i do build accountabilities in there so i tell people hey look if you want to survive this business you've got to do more than the average agent you need to set yourself apart well that's very simple in real estate the average agent only closes six transactions a year only six. Yes. Yeah, six eight is the idea, but I think it's gone down. The average agent only closes six transactions a year. In our market, that's three hundred twenty thousand dollars. If you multiply that out, you know you're looking at you know I mean that you're looking at three hundred twenty. You're looking at a little less than what maybe five million five million dollars. Mm-hmm. And then you pay commissions, overhead taxes. I mean, even six thousand dollars is not a lot. I mean, that's that's not even five million. Tell you the truth, that's like two million. Mm-hmm. It is. So it's really, really look at this: two million dollars paying taxes and overhead, right? Mm-hmm. And you then you walk away with less than thirty or forty thousand dollars, and you're helping clients. You're telling people as an agent, as an average agent, you're telling them, "I can help you make the soundest financial decision." When they're not even on the same playing field as the person that they're selling the house for, that owns a $3 million, $300,000 house. Mm. So you don't even make the income that that's at that level. So how can you advise them that you know the best? Yeah, you have access to tools and trades. So you have to expand on that. And you have to you have to put education in yourself and stuff like that. So you have to set boundaries for your agents. You know, I tell my agents coming into the business, you know, it, our goal is to get you to do 20 transactions a year. That's almost two transactions a month is the goal. Yes. Yeah. I mean, tech, you know, that's what we try to shoot for. I say 20 transactions. And we try to get them to run to their first 10 transactions. Mm. That's, that's what, so I hold that accountabilities for them and I hold their hand and I say, look, I will come with you if you want me to on every deal. As long as I can get you as enough times at bat in this short amount of time, I know that you are going to be in front of transactions and you will pick up as you go. Because you in this business, you have to learn. Mm. You have to learn on as you do deals. That's the only way. The application is unique and different. Financial situations, buyer deadlines, seller deadlines, negotiations, stuff that comes up on title. There's so many moving parts in this business that you'll never learn it just overnight. But in 10 transactions, you will have a fast pace. And I believe in my agents that if I set a fast pace for them, they will continue that pace because they're going to get used to that pace. And all they have to do is run to the next 10 deals for that one year term. 
And that will change somebody's life. I mean, an average commission after net and everything like that for an agent on a $350,000 house is roughly about, you know, about $7,200, $7,500. That's $15,000. That's a lot of money. That's an $80,000 windfall to a $100,000 windfall to change somebody from going from part-time to full-time. Then they expand on that. Mm -hmm. So you have 10 transactions and let's say you do the right things, then you can ask those 10 transactions to help you grow your business. Now, not all of them are going to help you. And there's going to be a lot of family members that you're going to try to reach out to that are not going to even support you. They're not going to even look at you because they see you as that child that barely knew anything. And now, but when you show somebody, I did 10 transactions in a 12 month, in a maybe a six month term, they're going to be like, wow, you, you're learning. And then you tell them, hey, I did 20 transactions. And then the next year you don't, you increase it by 30% and 30% after that. And now you have a business that's that's proven and repeatable. Now you can go back and start building a life. Yes, That's powerful. So that's kind of the, the accountabilities part. Performance, everybody is incentivized by fun because you can't be 100% working. And believe me, I've been the person that's a workaholic. I lose myself in my work. Mm. I found a problem when my kids were, my daughter fell asleep on the floor and I do it every once in a while. It's not it's not something I want to do. It's I get so involved with what I do. It's like the lights are on outside, but then all of a sudden everything's dark. And I have my daughter who was running around like a crazy person, all of a sudden passed out in the middle of the floor. And that got to me for a while. Mm. So, so performance, uh, you know, so I incentivize agents. I say, if I'm having this problem, agents are. So I implement things like dinners and stuff like that, where we kind of spend time team building, learning that it's not about the broken. It's about the agent. It's about building the agent. My job as a broker has shifted from an agent mindset to helping people achieve their goal. Yes, it is. And so in sometimes doing that, I like to incentivize agent. I like to say, hey, I even told my agents, I said, we have a program that I'm putting up. If we all we all hit the KPIs and hit the hit the qualifications of the program, we're all getting free trip. You guys are all getting free trips to Dominican Republic. You guys have to qualify, but we'll go. Yeah. We're gonna take a vacation. It's a fun deal. It's a write-off for me, it's a write-off for them. They have fun, we have fun, and we break up the monotony of work. That's what the whole goal of incentivizing people are is, yeah, they get commissions. That's the incentive, taking mm-hmm. care of your family, paying the bills. But sometimes you got to put a stop in there to say, you are doing successful. You're doing the right thing. Here's a reward because I want to tell you, you need to stop and smell the roses. That's what I try to do with my agents as I come in this new business with us doing that's That's a big part of what I do. It's not, it's, it's really important that people take a time to look back at all the hard work they're doing and, and enjoy it and accept it. And, and you have to be, you have to also as an agent, be open to getting an acceptance of saying you get a good job, not just receive it. Yes. Gratitude. Thank you so much for again sharing this because it was long, but it was word to word, understandable and applicable. So my next question to you is about online presence. How do you look at social media, TikTok reels, YouTube shots? Do you think they have any considerable impact on real estate or do you think that they are not having that much impact? No, I have the, they have a significant impact. Um, the attention span of the of the consumer has changed and shifted. I believe that TikTok, I mean, I don't like what's going on with the idea that TikTok is tra- having issues and stuff like that. I think it's been a great platform of shorts 
to allow people to learn new things, to share ideas. It's really a true social, I wouldn't say social, but informative na- uh, network. It allows people to express themselves, show their showcase who they are, what they got. It allows people, and people consume content like nobody's business. I think it's a phenomenal thing because, you, but it's how you use it. Anything can be weaponized. Mm. It can be it can be value or it can be trash, in yes. my opinion. A gentleman by the name of Wally Brezer put this in my head a couple of days ago. And he's a coach that I work with. And um, he talked about deposits, mm-hmm. deposits. You know, that's one thing. Deposits, things that things is you're a child. Your mind is so susceptible to anything and everything information, right? You, you, you think of it as a bank deposit. Anybody could put money, put stuff in your head at that age. Mm. get older you become more more set in your ways and you become more apprehensive of what you put in your head and we still need to monitor things i think that there are things on tiktok that kids should not see mm. you know and and it should not put out there and i think tiktok is getting bold mm-hmm. about that and i know that they do slightly regulate those things but information wise it's a great medium for real estate Mm-hmm. It's a great medium for education. It's a great medium to express yourself. It's a great medium to be an entrepreneur. Okay. But what also is regulating some of that information? Some of it is incorrect. Nobody knows this. A lot of people don't know. They just say, oh, I saw on TikTok. It must be true. Mm. Well, it has its duality. Great for getting information and being original and, and doing that. And I think it's got a great value to it. But for the wrong things, it could be weaponized a little bit and be adapted. Would we see David ever doing TikToks, Reels, YouTube shots? Like, do you consider them as marketing weapons for you? I, I, I consider them as being essential in today's market. Do you use them? With the new company, we're playing, we're, we're working on building that concept up, education, uh, education reels and stuff like that for our, our public, our buyers and our sellers and, and for our general public and then for agents. Because one of the things that COVID has done has changed the face of reality as, as, as we know it, allowed you and me to be put in a position to communicate. Mm. The, the integration of, of video technology i've always been a proponent of it i even want to build our brokerage off the concept of new agents come in we instead of building a traditional brokerage what i would love to do is invest into putting together a couple of rooms where agents can come and build content that, mm-hmm. that that's curated from maybe a broker or a team that helps build the identity of the agent mm-hmm. and out of there you have a green room, you have like kind of a newsroom's kind of round table set up that you can literally bring in anyone mm. from public officials to local business people, interview them, let them have their 15 minutes of fame. And you can grow your network massively with that. I believe that podcasting has become phenomenal. Video podcasting has been better, but it's all due to video. And if I had to spend my money in, in anything, it would be creating content and curating content, both written and video content to be able to become the local celebrity in my neighborhood or in my my, my market or my niche. Of course. So, David, any final messages for the people listening to this podcast? What would be the final message? Final message really in this is that real estate is a phenomenal business. It is one of the businesses I've enjoyed for years. It challenges me. It's made me the person I am. 
and the person I will be. The interaction with, um, you know, with having tough skin as of being an entrepreneur is going to be synonymous with anything that you're going to undertake. People are going to look down at you and they're going to say, you can't do this and you can't do that or no, yes, or whatever it would be. Don't focus on what it is. You need to turn your cheek and just be relentless with your vision. And you've got to keep that on the horizon of where you want to be in your life. Everybody's going to say something. There's always going to be somebody that's not going to like it. But just be relentless when you do. Have tough skin. You know, have support. You know that you did not make any of this. It is all stuff that you have built up over tons of people, just like Isaac Newton has said. You know, other people came before and other people will be there after. And the thing is, you're laying a foundation of being just one of those cogs that's going to help somebody else learn and grow and from you. Just like you buying and selling a house to somebody, you've helped them build their story. So in a way, you're responsible for anybody you come in contact with and help sell a home. So as far as marketing and stuff for my business, video is probably one of the best streams of marketing. That's why so much content is there. That's why TV networks have been so valuable over the last several years. Now with the movement of online streaming, you're going to see a massive shift in education and information. And I believe that's, that's going to change the world in a lot of different ways. It already has mm -hmm. TikTok, YouTube, information, um, just Make tons of content, grow yourself, have fun doing it, and don't, you know, and don't care what people think. You, know, you got to have that relentless, relentless vibe to you. But then always remember why you're doing this. You're doing it for the byproduct is money, but mm. you really do change people's lives. And that's why I do. Of course. So thank you so much, David, for being on the show today. And you have shared a lot of valuable content today. I hope that you keep sharing this with people and keep inspiring them. Thank you so much again. No, I appreciate it. It was, a, it was, a, it was such a pleasure with you, meeting with you. Thanks for the opportunity. And the gratitude is, you know, thanks for sharing it with your network. And you know, like I said, if there's anything I can be of resource to you, please let me know. It was a pleasure meeting you again, David. I am your host, Kiran Agrar, signing off. You guys take care. Bye, guys.